All right, well, welcome, New Life Church. Good to see you guys. Everybody well? All right, who's glad to be in the house of the Lord this day? Yeah, well, that's exciting. Well, that makes a pastor's heart feel good when his people are excited to be at church. That's a good sign. All right. Listen, let me invite you to open your word, uh, your Bibles to the New Testament, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We're going to continue in this series that we started a few weeks ago or about two and a half, three weeks ago called A New Season, A New Soul. So we're going to pick up where we have left off on that. Haley and I were out of town last weekend. We had a privilege to participate and uh, do a wedding for one of our former youth when we were youth pastors in Memphis. Uh, they, they got married, and uh, so it was uh, good. We got to see a lot of old faces and familiar faces there and uh, got to participate in that. But it's good to be back home, good to be with our New Life family today. Before we get into uh, the heart of this message this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer, okay? Heavenly Father, we come before you this day recognizing that you are our creator. You have made us. You have formed us. You have willed us into existence. And when you did so, you did so with the intention of giving us a purpose for which to live. You put within us, you made us a soul, a living being. You you breathed your life into us when we accepted Jesus into our life. And you change us. And you make us better. But sometimes, God, our souls get heavy and sticky. And things get stuck where they don't need to be. So this morning, as we go to your word, I pray that we would have ears to hear. That, God, we would have a heart to receive. We would have a mind to understand. And our life would be in a place where we would be willing to live this God life that you have called us to. I ask that you would guard my heart as I speak, that you would govern my words, oh God. And you would help me to speak life, love, hope conviction that you bring by your Holy Spirit, may you do so. We honor you and we thank you that your word is life-giving and life-changing. So have your way now, Holy Spirit, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Everybody awake? Didn't fall asleep with that prayer, did you? All right. Good. Good to see you. Well, listen, um, i got a little illustration I want to show you on the screen here. You can follow along. We've been talking about our souls. We're just, this is a whole series that's really kind of created around the idea of doing some self-examination. From time to time, we have to walk ourselves through that because some, sometimes we tend to forget some of the things that's gotten stuck to us. We tend to 
not pay attention to some things, and so it's good to go through that often uh, as we are followers of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us, brings things to the surface in our attention. I really like the quote by C.S. Lewis. I'm not going to be able to say it verbatim, but I'll paraphrase it. He said, when I accepted Christ, he said, I had this impression, this idea that Jesus was going to um, redecorate my cottage. He was going to put up some new wallpaper, hang some new pictures, and just do a little redecoration, maybe add a little new pieces of furniture. He said, but really what he did and what he told me he was doing was he was moving in and knocking down walls, and he was building a palace in which to live. You see, Jesus occupies our life. He occupies our heart. He occupies our soul. And when he does so, he tears away the things that we don't need. And he builds up things that will last and that is needed in our life. And so that's talking about our soul. Look at this illustration. You see right in the center, the will. We all have a will. Sometimes our wills are more stubborn than others. And sometimes we don't have enough willpower. And we kind of grow lax. But we have a will. That's where we choose. That's our intentions about things. That's really where we determine to exercise our dominion about life and what we will do. And then you see we have a mind. I know we have one. Sometimes we're guilty of not always using it, but we have it. Sometimes we have it and we use it too much. And we don't allow the Holy Spirit to move in us. But we have a mind. That's our thoughts. That's where our feelings are are developed and, and come forth, that's, that's where we have our value system is right in our mind. Because the way we think, the Bible says, that's how we will be. All right? Then we have our body. Our body, we, that's our, that's our out, outer shell. That's what everybody sees, okay? That's what everybody sees. And that's where we see our habits. That's where we have our appetites. That's, that's where we have our body languages, our facial expressions, our fake smiles and our real smiles. That's all there, okay? We learn how to do that in life. And, but then you see the soul. The soul is on the outside of this, not in, the, it's figuratively speaking, but the soul is what integrates all of these parts into a single whole life because you and I, we're not what you and I see on the external. They may be expressions But that's not who we are. We are who our soul is. And it's more important to focus on not what we do, but more so what we become as a person. Because that is what will carry on after this life when we cross over into the next one. The soul seeks harmony. The soul seeks connection. The soul seeks integration, and it seeks that with God. It seeks that with God's people, and it seeks that with God's purpose for our life. In fact, a soul that is healthy is one that is truly integrated and connected with God. A soul that is healthy is connected with the church, and a soul that is healthy is one that's connected with God's cause, God's purpose in their life. I don't know. Maybe maybe you, you know what I'm talking about. You know when you're really alive, you're fully alive, you're really alive is when you're all through of those components, God, His people, and His purpose is just moving like good in your heart. It's just, it's just all seamless. It's just all going. It's just all working. You know, a, a vehicle that doesn't work real well, it's not firing on all cylinders, but you know a vehicle that works real well, that can purr, that can hum, that can, <clears throat> that can go, you know, is when everything is firing on all cylinders, and that's the description of a healthy soul. But an unhealthy soul is one that is disintegrated. 
And you know what disintegrates a soul? Sin. Sin separates the soul. Sin is anything. It's a simple definition, basic, if you ever want to know what sin is instead of categorizing it, you know, not so bad, pretty bad, or really bad. It's just sin. Sin is anything that causes you and I to miss our mark with God, to miss our mark with His people, and to miss our mark with His purpose for our life. You see, if the devil can't make us sin, sometimes he will make us busy, and he will get us caught up on stuff that takes our attention away from what really matters, okay? But it's still, in essence, sin because it causes us to miss our mark. That could be a person, that could be a place, that could be a thing, that could be a habit, that could be anything, you name it. It could be anything, but whatever causes you and I to miss our mark separates our soul. It tears it down, and it becomes unhealthy. In other words, God has a will, and God has a way for our life. God has a will, and he has a way for our life. And what I mean by that is when we live according to God's will and we do life according to God's way, God has a way about life. When we live in his will and we do life according to his way, that leads to us having a healthy soul. A healthy soul. Why is it so important to have a healthy soul? Because you see, my friends, the soul is what will carry on when this shell passes away. And see, what we do now and how we live life now really determines what our outcome will be when this shell passes away. See, the soul is an ever-living being. It never dies. But the good news is this, it can either, or the news, the real news is this, our souls will either experience eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven, or our souls will experience eternal torture and damnation in hell. It's one of the two, but it matters how we live. Oh, it matters a lot how we live. And you see, that's the great struggle of, of us being on planet Earth because our souls are affected by things, right? Our souls are affected by stuff. But God makes it possible for you and I to have a healthy soul. He put within us the potential to have a healthy soul. And that's what I've titled today's message in this series, The Soul's Potential, And that's what we're going to look at here in Luke 15. Look on the screen and look at this statement right here. It says, The soul has potential to be healthy when truly connected to what it longs for. God, His people, and His purpose. This past week, Haley and I had the privilege to um, go by and visit one of our members uh, in the nursing home, Miss. Mildred Rexroder, we call her Aunt Mildred. She's Stephanie Garner's aunt, Lindsay's great aunt. She's not doing well, so please, she said, please tell the church to be praying for me. And she told us three times, I'm sure you're praying for me, right? I'm sure you're, you're praying for me. And yes, ma'am, we are. And I told her I would let you know to be, be praying for her. And, but she, she was profound. She said this right here. She said, you know, really, what I've kind of learned in life is this. The only thing that really matters is that a soul is connected to God, and that that soul is also connected to God's people. She said, really, that's what, that's what it's all about. This last week also, a dear brother of ours, a uh, longtime member over 20 years, Eric Russell, he moved away, uh, packed up Friday night. was his last day in Jackson. Uh, a long time being here, long time member. 
Uh, I know last week Pastor Prentice had the church, those of you who are here, got to pray for him, got to love on him a little bit. And also last week a few of us guys got together kind of last minute, took him out uh, for, uh, for a dinner and just uh, got to spend a few last minutes with him before he headed out. But he gave me this card, and he wanted, wanted me to read this card to the church. He said this. He said, it has been a pleasure knowing all of the church. It has been my pleasure to come to church and serve. May God keep you and bless you, watch out over your kids, and bless them also. May God bless the church and watch out over their families. Tell the church, I said, hey, you know how Eric talks. I said, hey, and give them my love. May God bless your church and care for it along with their families. Let the Lord prosper and grow the church. Love, your brother in Christ, Eric Russell. Pretty special. Pretty special. But that's someone who for years rode his bike because he was not allowed to drive. He rode his bike to and from church in the rain, in the winds, in the hot sun, right? For years, and any one of us, you know him any time, you could pull up beside him and say, hey, Eric, you want me to give you a lift? No, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. He was just that determined to just carry on. And it speaks a lot about the soul of a person, that whether, whatever the weather conditions are, he wanted to be with God's people. He wanted, to be, he wanted to make sure on that day, on that Sunday, he could, his soul was connecting with the Lord. He got it. He gets it. And I pray he continues to have that advantage where he's moving to with family. Luke 15. Luke 15. Jesus tells us a few parables here in this uh, part of, of the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to look at the third one in verse 11. Some title it the parable of the lost son, other titles, others title it the parable of the prodigal son. But let's look at verse 11 and 12 to start this thing off real quick. Jesus said this story. He said, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Right off the bat, Jesus tells a story, and we see uh, the father in this story is God. The sons in this story would be us, his people. And he says, He divided his wealth. He divided the potential and gave it to his sons. He said, you have all the potential you'll ever need. What you do with it is up to you. How you live, what you do with it, how you invest, how you sow, all those things, the soul, your soul has it all. God has created us that way. He's put within us the potential to love him, the potential to be healthy in our souls because that determines how our life and outcome will be. You know, to live up to its potential, the soul needs a few things to be in place. And we're going to talk just about two things today for a few minutes. We're just going to talk about two things. This particular message, the soul's potential, is actually going to carry on for the next couple of weeks in this series because there's several things that our souls need. There's a lot of things our souls need. We're going to talk about two. First one is this. The soul needs a keeper. Say a keeper. 
The soul needs a keeper. What do I mean by that? Let's look at verse 13. It says, a few days later, it's also going to, you can follow on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. It says, a few days later, this young son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Verse 16, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but, but no one gave him anything. The soul needs a keeper. We are the keeper of our souls. No one else is responsible for our souls. No one else can give an account for our souls. No one can talk to God and say, yeah, I can vouch. No, God says, no, you and you alone are responsible for your soul. We are the keeper of our souls, and we are the responsible for the condition of our souls. You see, this man right here, this first son, this young son, given his potential, he failed to be the keeper of his soul. It describes exactly the kind of life he was living. The first mistake he made was he moved far away from his father. And again, in this picture, this story, it's God. Anytime you and I move away from God, anytime you and I put some distance between us and God, it never fares well for our life. Never does. Some of us think, man, we can outsmart God, we can outwit God, we can outplay God, we can outhide God. But you know the story from the beginning with Genesis and Adam and Eve. They failed. They didn't keep their soul well. And they hid from God. And God knew where they were, but he asked, hey, where are you? He knew where they were, but he was giving them a chance. Just like he gives you and us, you and me, a chance to acknowledge the condition that we've allowed our souls to get into. Because let's just face it, sometimes life gets hard and life is messy. And we allow that hardness and that messiness to seep in and stick to our souls. And we don't always do well with that. We don't always reply right, respond well. We don't always come back with praise. We don't always come back with thanksgiving. We don't always come back with a good when it's bad against us, do we? No, we have a hard time with that, but that's why we have been named the keeper of our souls. God told Adam and Eve, you are the keeper of this garden. In essence, what you allow to happen is happening to you, and you need to be responsible for it, for I hold you responsible for it. You see, too many people like to blame everybody else and other conditions and situations for the condition and the situation of their soul, but God does not work that way. He really doesn't care how many excuses we have and how good they sound. When it comes down to it, he wants to know how well did you keep your soul. This young man failed to keep his soul. He moved far from God. He put distance between him and God. Anytime that happens, it doesn't fare well. You see, this young man, he sowed his potential into the wrong things and the wrong places and the wrong people. See, anytime you and I get hooked up in the wrong place, with the wrong crowd, with the wrong individuals, in the wrong things, sooner or later it's going to have a great effect on our soul and it's going to begin to disintegrate and separate our soul. 
Some of us think we're, we're strong enough, we're good enough, we're, we're, we're close to God enough, but really, anytime you and I connect our soul to people that we don't need to be connected to, or we connect our soul to places that we don't need to be connected to, or we connect our soul to things that we don't really need to be connected to, to on the outside, we might not think much about it, but on the inside, our soul is giving way. Our soul is wasting away. Our soul is collapsing. About two, a little over two years ago in, in, in Florida, there was this house that had sat there for a long time. The family had lived in it forever as long as they've had it. And all of a sudden on this one day, the, the house was swallowed up into a sinkhole. I mean, the whole house, the entire, think about your house going into the ground. Just like that. The person in it, no, couldn't be found. He died. Why? Because his soil gave way over time, and he had no idea. Sometimes that can happen to our souls. It can erode. But if we don't keep it, if we don't tend to it, if we don't check and balance it with what God's Word says, right? Am I talking to anybody today? If we don't check and balance it with how God says to do life, you remember God has a will, God has a way for life. If we live according to His will and do life His way, keep check and balance how we're living, how we're being, how we're doing, all that stuff, the choices we make, the people we are connected to, all that stuff, we have to keep check and balance. That tells us we're tending to our souls. If we're in church, I know this sounds like really elementary, but God didn't make this stuff real complex and complicated. He didn't make this really hard. I know there's a lot of people in the world, in the church world, who try to make this thing really hard. And it gets confusing. I get that. About the end times and about all this stuff. Really, it ain't that hard. If we love Jesus and we stay close to Jesus and we follow Jesus and we stay connected to the, to the body of Jesus, guess what's going to happen? Jesus is going to know our name, and our name is written forever in the Lamb's Book of Life. And sooner or later, he's going to call on Our shell's going to die. Our body's going to pass, but our soul will live. And if we last and we hang in there and we make it with him, we're going to make it forever with him. I don't know really how it all is going to come together. I know if we listen to the wrong stuff, it's scary. But I do know if we can hold to Jesus and we serve him and we're faithful to him and we do life his way and we keep our souls in check and balance with him, guess what? We're going to see each other in heaven. We're going to see each other there. You're going to see some people that you didn't think should have made it. I think we're going to be real surprised. And they're going to be looking at us like, wow, I didn't think you were going to make it either. Actually, probably not because Hebrews 11 or 12 tells us that, hey, there's a whole great cloud of witnesses leaning over the banister rail of heaven saying, you can make it. You can do it. I believe in you. I've done it. I've been there. I've burned the trail. And if I got in, I know there's hope for you. Amen. But we just got to keep our souls. Amen. You see, we're responsible for our soul, not just for our sake. But see, the condition of our soul has to be kept for other people's sake as well. Because, see, the condition of our soul can be much like a cold that could be caught and, and, and infect other people when they get too close. You see, that's how our souls can be too. Our souls can infect other people because our souls can get toxic. And if we walk around with a toxic soul, guess what's happening? We're spreading toxicity everywhere. We're contaminating everybody around us. We could ooze with it. We might not say a whole lot, but, brother, it just vibrates off of you. It just kind of is, just has this mystique. We all have a mystique about us. 
right? And it's noticeable, and it's, and it's catchable like a cold. So we have to make sure that when we keep our souls, we also understand that other people are watching. Other people can be affected. Why do you think there's generations and generations of people who have passed down bad stuff, wrong stuff to their next people in line? Their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids and all these people in the family tree are affected by that negative thing because so-and-so way back then didn't keep their soul well. And it got passed on. It contaminated the next generation. That's what happens. And we're not called to contaminate our next generation. We're called to infect them with the righteousness of God. Amen? I know we don't have any control over how others might live their life, but we have a control over how we live ours. Right? Talking about the keeper of our soul. You see, this man, this, young, this younger son here, he had to beg somebody to hire him because nobody wanted to be around him. Maybe everybody was his friend when he had money. Maybe everybody was his friend when he was just shelling out the Benjamins everywhere, buying around here and around there, all around the bars everywhere. He was buying for everybody. Everybody is your friend then, right? But when you don't have anything, nobody wants to be around you. When your soul is broke, I'm not talking about your bank, but your soul, when your soul is broke, you'll find out who's really your true, true, true friends. But nobody wanted to be around him while he wasn't keeping his soul. Nobody wanted to be around some toxic joker. Nobody wanted to be around somebody who was just contaminated and broke down, beat down on the inside. His soul was not healthy. He didn't keep it. He didn't keep his soul. And you know what was sad? He said he longed to be filled. See, when we neglect the keeping of our soul, over time, we're going to find ourselves lonely without anybody wanting to be around. All we want to do is just be fulfilled. And really, our soul wants a satisfaction. Our soul wants to be fulfilled. I like what Dallas Willard says. He said, arrange your days so that you experience total contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. In other words, set your day up, structure your day up in a way that no matter what is happening around you, inside, you're not getting lost. You're not allowing all the negative and the bad and the painful stuff around you to truly contaminate your soul. But you find your contentment, your joy, and your confidence in God and in God alone. Amen? Our soul needs a keeper. We are the keeper. And may we keep our souls connected to the things of God. Speaking to anybody, helping anybody today? A couple people over here, good. Here's the second thing. Is we will, this is the last part of this that we'll go through. We're not going to go through this whole story today going to pick up with it, God willing, next week. But the soul not only needs a keeper, the soul needs a center. A center. What do I mean, what do I mean by that? Let's look at verse 17. I'm talking about the young son. It says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, you know, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father, and this is what I'll say. I'll say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. 
verse 20. It says, So he returned home to his father, went to his center, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. A lot of stuff in that, those few verses right there, but our soul needs a center. A soul cannot be centered without God. Can't happen. And the question for us today is who is at the center of our soul? You see, the thing about it, God cannot be the, in the center and then us have everything else pile up on him in the center. Think of it as crosshairs. The crosshairs in the radar, the crosshairs. If God is in the center, then we cannot have anything else pile up on top of him. Meaning nothing else can be more important than him. Now everything else filters through him, comes by him into our life and what is necessary and what is needed and what is right and good for our life. But he must be the center. We, our soul can't be centered unless it's centered on God. It just won't happen. We'll be off balance. We'll be out of sync. And here's a few things to take note of. A soul without a center is double-minded and finds its identity in external things. See, a soul without a center, a center, not a center, a center. I'm talking country, a center. A soul without a center has a tough time making decisions based on the right things. And a soul without a center finds its identity in all the externals of life, all the outward stuff of life, what we see with our natural eye, what we taste, feel, touch, all that stuff. And if we try to find our happiness in the externals, then we'll never be happy, we'll never truly be satisfied, and our soul will never really be healthy. See, God is trying to get us to understand, has been from the very beginning when he created the first man and woman, is this, is that our soul is only going to be content when it's centered on God, when God holds the center of our heart, right? And for some reason, we go through life thinking that everything that's around us is what's supposed to fit in that spot, and until the revelation comes, until it hits home, until it makes sense, until we get tired of searching and never having, until we get tired of trying to create and, and possess and we never really achieve anything and have the true contentment, then we'll never really be healthy in our soul. It's possible to live our planet life, our earthly life, truly content, truly fulfilled, truly at peace. Not perfect, but with a centered soul where God occupies the core of our life. You see, this man, he was so confused. He was double-minded, and he found himself in his identity and all these external things that said he was wasting his life on everything around him. You name it, he was doing it. You see it in a movie, he was a part of it. You see it in Hollywood, he had it. All these things. But he was also confused as to who he was. You see, he said, when I, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to get home and I'm going to tell my dad I'm sorry. But instead of recognizing me as his son, I, because I don't really think he'll do that because I've been so bad, I've been so far removed, I've wasted my potential. 
My soul's been so unhealthy. I'll just slide in on the backside of the ponderosa of the ranch, and I'll just be a hired servant. See, here's the problem with that. There's three levels of servants back in the day. You have a bond servant, and a bond servant was one who was highly recognizable, who was included in a lot of the family affairs, often ate with the family, often was included in part of making some decisions of the estate. That's the bond servant. That's where you want to be if you want to be a servant. That's where you want to be. Then you have the servant. The servant was a little lower than the bond servant, not, not as included in many things or as often, but still had a little, carried a little weight around the, around the estate. Then you have the lowest one, the lowest of the lows, the, the, the hired servant. You see, the hired servants were ones who could be hired and fired at will. The owner could say, hey, I don't like what you're doing. You need to move on and find something else. Or, hey, that job's been finished, and you know what? I don't really have anything else for you to do. It's just time for you to move on. There was real no connection. There was not a heart-to-heart connection, a soul connection. It was just paid for the job. The job's done. Move on. And that's where this guy was wanting to be. He was confused. His perception was skewed as to who he was. And you see, when our soul isn't centered, we lose sight of who we are. Come on now. We lose sight of who we are. When our soul isn't centered, when God is not the center of our soul, we lose sight of who we are. We begin to think we're not worthy. We begin to think, well, God won't do that for me. We begin to think, well, nobody really cares or misses me at church anymore. I'll just kind of do my own thing from time to time or what have you. And we lose sight of who we are. And you know what? The devil is perfectly fine with that. You might not be doing the craziest stuff in the world, but if you lose sight of who you are, he is okay with that because if he can get you out of touch and out of sync with God, and you might not be a bad person per se in the standard of the world, but if you're disconnected and you're distant and your soul isn't centered and you just lose sight of who you are, the enemy's fine with that because he knows this, you'll never do anything noble and worthy for the kingdom of God. You'll live your however many years you live your life, but you'll never do anything worthy for God and His kingdom and His cause. You will not live your purpose. And i got to tell you this, there is nothing more frustrating, nothing more letting down of the soul than not living for the purpose for which you were created. You were created to live a God-ordained, God-divine destiny that He has for you. And until you accept it and walk in it and embrace it and go forward in it, guess what? You will continue to be miserable. Oh, you might make a whole lot of money in your days and your time. You might live in a fancy place, drive a fancy car, go to the best places, but this is it. You, in your heart, in your soul, you will never be content. Because if it's not what God wants you to do and you're not who God has made you to be, then, friend, you are missing the mark, and that leads to an empty uncentered soul. And that's fine. The enemy wants us there. The enemy's cool with that. But he does not like it, the ones who truly have God at the center of their soul. Oh, nobody's perfect. You're not going to get it right every day. You're going to have your good days. You're going to have your bad days. There's going to be days where you get confused and, and you wonder sometimes. But no, 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 there's no doubting in your mind because you know whose you are. 
and you know your position in God's family tree. Come on, if God can make a way for a prostitute named Rahab to get in the genealogy and the lineage of Jesus Christ, then surely, hey, we can all make it. And just so you know, she didn't go on doing that. She stopped because her soul became centered. But here's what happens when a soul is centered on God. We experience what this son experienced. He said he came home, he returned home, he went back to his center, and here's what he experienced in closing today. See, a soul that's centered on God experiences God's love and compassion. God's love and compassion. It said that the, the father was filled with love and compassion. I want to tell you today, I don't know where you are in your heart, your faith, your soul today with God. What's been going on with all of you? But I want you to know God has nothing but love for you. He is full of love and compassion for you. I want you to know that God is aware of your situation. God is aware of your unfair position. God is aware of your struggle. And he has a heart full of love for you. You say, well, man, but I've blown it so much. I feel like such a rotten piece of dirt. I feel like the low life. I've I've upset, I've disappointed people, I've let people down. I haven't really been on the up and up. Oh, you know, I've allowed this thing to really get me. I haven't had the faith that I know I needed to have here lately. I want to tell you, God has love for you today. And when you experience His love, it changes you. When you experience His love and compassion, it changes you. He's full of love, but also a soul centered on God experiences God's embrace. So the Father ran out and embraced Him. What does that mean? For God to embrace me. I think it can mean this. It can mean that God is not afraid to touch you in the middle of your torment, in the middle of your mess. That God is not bothered by the mistakes that you have made. God is not shocked. He's not like, cannot believe it. Because when a soul turns back to Him, and a soul is tender to Him, and a soul wants God to be the center, He embraces. He embraces. He touches your life. It means this. It means that when God embraces us, it means that God is working on me to make me better. For some reason in our world, people think God is out to make my life stink. He took that away from me. He took them away from me. He made that job fall apart. He made that relationship crumble. 
If God wanted me to be happy and content, then he would give me all I want. God does want us content. But we got to remember our contentment is only truly, eternally in him. Only in him. But when God embraces us, he touches us, he is working on us. He said, I know they've had a difficult time. I know they've struggled internally. Nobody else really knows, but look at them. I'm embracing you today. I'm I'm touching you today. Because I want you to know, you might feel like you've disappointed people. You might feel like a disappointment, or you might feel this or feel that. But I want you to know, I'm not afraid to touch you. I want you to know I'm for you and I'm working things out for your good that it might hurt inside and you might be sad in your soul to the point where you cry and nobody else sees it or knows it but I know it God says and not a tear is ever wasted in my presence he says I store up every tear in a bottle and I'll turn it into joy See, our souls feel so much. But God wants you to know in His love and compassion, He embraces us. Oh, He doesn't condone our behavior. He doesn't condone our stupidity sometimes that we have. No, He's able to look right past all that and say, You know what? I'm after your soul. Because if I can be the center of your soul, I know you're not going to really want to do what you've been doing. I know you're not really going to carry on the way you've carried on. I know you're not going to make the decisions you made when I'm really at the center of your soul. And I just want you to know I'm not afraid to touch you and embrace you. But then the Father did this. The Father kissed him. A kiss. That's getting pretty personal, isn't it? What does it mean for God to kiss us? I think it means this right here. See, when you kiss somebody, you don't care if their breath's stanky, (laughs) if their hair's combed. I mean, you might, but if you really love, you just really don't care for God to kiss us it means this it means he says you know what I'm here to pardon your poor performance I know you didn't get it right believe me I know but I just want you to know don't worry I'm not going to kiss anybody here today don't unless it's my wife. I don't want no dude freaking out like, he better not come touch me. (laughs) Especially Tony, he'll be like, dude, you're going down. Pastor or not, you don't get close to me like that. (laughs) God's kiss says, you know what, I see it all. Don't worry, Max, I really ain't going to kiss you, man. Your wife's not even here. I'd like for her to see that. He says, but I pardon all your, your poor performances where, you, where, you, where you've fallen short. 
you don't need to worry about it. I know you got a speech prepared. I know you got a reason why. I know you want to come at me with, but God, but God, I, this, 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 listen to me. He's like, you know what? I don't even need to hear you because you're standing right here in front of me. And I know you've allowed other things to get in the crosshairs of the center of your soul, but you're here today and you're acknowledging, I want you, God, to be the center of my soul. And that's what his father did. His father kissed him. His father kissed him. And he made the son know what it was like to be forgiven. Forgiveness. To be forgiven and to forgive those who trespass against us. It never pays any of us to hold on to unforgiveness. Because we know we don't want God to hold that over our head about our own life, right? And he says, look, don't hold it over somebody else's either. Just let it go. And that's what God, the Father was doing with his son. He's like, look, I don't care what you've been doing. Point is, you're here. My love is strong enough to hold you, to keep you, and to change you. In fact, Paul wrote about it, and he says, you know what? He said, nothing, absolutely nothing is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Let's stand to our feet.